Hey guys, this is Brent McCorkle and you are listening to the Christian Music Guys podcast. On today's episode, we sit down with Brent McCorkle. Brent is one of the directors in the latest film, Jesus Revolution, which releases this Friday. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to the Christian Music Guys podcast, the podcast for Christian music fans by we Christian music fans. So there's a lot to talk about today. Uh, before we get into our interview with Brent. Um, but first, uh, as is the usual funny or interesting story, I was reading the news, bro, and uh, uh, let me see. Uh, I want to make sure I get this right. Yeah, okay, yeah. British Airways, uh, there was a flight from Texas to London, mm-hmm. and in the middle of the flight, so this was February 20th, and I've flown British Airways. They're decent. Like, it's not like a, um, it's not one of the scary airlines. You know how there's, I won't, I won't say any names, but you know, the scary airlines, like the, the cheaper ones where, yeah, they start with an A and end with a T or <laughs> they charge you for like air, <laughs> you know, like the, t- the ticket's like $2, <laughs> but they're like, if you want oxygen, it's $10 a minute. You know, like yeah. if you want to drink, it's like another $10. Like it's, um, you know, anyways, yeah, kind so it's of, a decent airline or whatever. What is it? I pledge to the flag. Yeah, that middle word. Oh, okay, yeah. Like the ones that leave you <laughs> stranded uh, in McAllen, Texas, and they don't help you get home, and you're literally like we, stuck with We're not throwing anybody family. into the bus. <laughs> no, no. It doesn't rhyme with collegiate. Uh, no. Uh, anyways, so it's not... One of those airlines, you know, the sketchy yeah. ones. But uh, so anyways, uh, from Texas to London, man, and a bunch of people start getting out of their seats and like freaking out because they found a scorpion on the plane that was loose. Mm. And you know how it is in a plane where it's like you hardly have any room. Imagine if you have a scorpion right across the top of your feet. You have nowhere to go in a plane. And so a bunch of people start jumping out of their seats and the flight crew tries to like empty the area and they go on a search for this scorpion. And now, I mean, now remember it's a, it's a decently long flight, Texas to London. They can't just like turn around or, you know, whatever. So they find this scorpion on the plane. Uh, They, or they see a scorpion. People start freaking out, you know, obviously. And the worst part of the whole story is that after they moved everyone out of their seats and they searched for it, they never found it. They were unable to find it. So then they had to tell all of these people, hey, everyone, go back to your seats. We didn't find it. I, I am not sleeping on on that flight. No. Oh, my. Could you imagine? I mean, gosh. Ah. Uh. Man, I Snakes can't even... on a plane yeah. is not as bad as scorpions on a plane. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I, I mean, I can't believe they I, didn't try to find it, dude. I mean, they did. They just couldn't. I mean, like, right? I don't know. Okay, what what would be worse for you? Okay, the movie Snakes on a Plane. I've actually never seen it. What right. would be worse for you? Snakes on a plane or scorpions on a plane? <sighs> Ants. <laughs> Ants. On a plane. <laughs> Ants on a plane. 
I'd say lice on a plane. Oh, I've lived that before. Both of my kids had lice on a flight one time. That's for another podcast episode. I'll share that whole entire story. But that was one of the worst 24 hours of my life. But I between snakes and scorpions, I'm going to go with scorpions, man. I don't know what it is. They have too many legs. I mean, I I wonder if that's something you could legs. It just freaks me out. I wonder if that's something you could step on and they die. Scorpion. Yeah, you can, but I mean, you can also step on spiders, but that doesn't keep me from screaming like a girl when they cross, <laughs> cross my path. Mm-mm. Our guest today is Brent McCorkle. Brent is uh, one of the co-directors for the film that releases this Friday, Jesus Revolution, which stars Kelsey Grammer and Jonathan Rumi. It's based on a true story. And Brent shares about it, shares the whole writing process and or the directing process. And it's a wonderful film. Check it out. Uh, this Friday, Jesus Revolution. So, Brent, thank you so much for taking the time and chatting with us uh, this afternoon. Man, it's great to be here with you guys. Yeah. So let's get right into it. So Jesus Revolution, uh, brand new movie coming out in February 24th. And so why did you guys decide to make a movie about uh, this story? Yeah, so I, I co-directed it with John Irwin, and I did a movie with these guys back in the day called Woodlawn. I don't know if you guys saw it or not, but it was, yes. a, it yeah. was a sports drama uh, about racial reconciliation, and it was mm-hmm. really cool. Um, but in the middle of all that, John realized there was kind of a spiritual renewal that was happening during the time, and that's what allowed that that particular story of Woodlawn to actually even exist or to happen. So he started digging and he found this Time Magazine article that had this really psychedelic picture of Jesus on the front cover. And it said Jesus Revolution. He's like, what is this? And you cannot find it. It's not in Time's archives digitally. So he got on eBay and I think he ordered the magazine for like 150 bucks or something. And he got it and he read it. It's just this beautiful article about a revival that happened in Southern California. And as he read it, he he began to weep and he he was like, this is a movie. And so I was actually on staff at the time uh, for John and Andy. And he pulled me in and I started doing research and I found just these beautiful stories. And it took me back to Chuck Smith and everything he did as this square white pastor in SoCal. I mean, it's such a white bread church, you know, and, and, and they had, you know, everybody wore suits and, you know, the whole thing. And he got basically the gauntlet thrown down in front of him going, well, does Jesus love everybody? And if he does, he loves these hippies that you make fun of and despise, and maybe you should make space for them in your church. And, um, so John and I both found the story to be very compelling. Um, this movie has, had a very, very long circuitous path to getting made. Um, uh, an early script was written. It was going to be shot uh, before the pandemic and the pandemic shut down production. And uh, mm-hmm. which is great for me because I wasn't on to direct. And so, um, so that team moved on to do another title and John circled back to me. Cause you know, I'd started with him back in 20, whatever, you know, 20, he so he wanted to do this movie in 2014. It kind of sat on the back burner, and then we got serious about it right after uh, I can only imagine. So yeah, 2018, 2019. So I mean, four or five years later, you know, I'm 
I'm back on this story with John and getting to direct with him. And uh, man, I'm so excited to be here. And it's just such a loving story about a guy who did something crazy and really outside of the box and uh, operated, I believe, like with the supreme love of God, you know, in a way that is so tangible and beautiful and will touch people from all walks of life, you know, whether they're, they're a Christian or not. So I love the humanness of our story. And uh, so, yeah, that's how it came about, man. John reading the Time Magazine article, uh, lo these many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brent, in, uh, in the Jesus Revolution, uh, Chuck Smith, as you mentioned, he's portrayed, uh, and, and Lonnie Frisbee, uh, and also uh, Greg Laurie. Uh, the story centers a lot around him uh, as a young man going kind of finishing high school, kind of getting involved in what was going on um, uh, at, at Chuck's at Chuck Smith's church uh, with Lonnie. Uh, how much did uh, Greg Laurie and his wife, Kathy, uh, contribute to the film? Were they involved? Uh, what was their involvement in the process along the way? Well, yeah, that's a really great question. That was another piece that clicked in with John. John was just getting to be friends with Greg Laurie at the time. And I think one day just, you know, just shooting the bull with Greg, he said, hey, man, I really want to do this thing about Jesus Revolution. And Greg's eyes lit up. He goes, bro, I was there. I, mm -hmm. I, I was at Calvary Chapel. I was a kid there. I, I knew Lonnie Frisbee. I helped him with his mm -hmm. sermons. Chuck helped me get my, you know. So John, John Arm was like, oh, this is a no-brainer, you know, like, and so right. that, that, that kind of re-engineered things. And we realized at that point we were looking at an ensemble cast. Sure. And so, you know, we've had the young couple, I think is great. I always, um, if there's any artists or filmmakers watching, one thing I try to instill in people, and it, it is like one of the best kept trade secrets and it's where a lot of films fail. But if you can create a bunch of portals of entry into your story, then you can reach a ton more people with your audience so that we were able to get like this younger couple to walk through all this with us too. That brings in this beautiful, fresh kind of youthfulness to the thing. And you really need it because, uh, you know, there were no hippie burnouts in their forties and fifties, like we see now, or, you know, even their seventies, like mm. they were all young kids, right. It's mm -hmm. a new movement. Mm -hmm. So to have this young couple, walking through it with us uh, was amazing. And Greg and Kathy were very involved. Uh, I remember sitting with them for a couple of days doing extensive interviews. I think we did like, I don't know, eight or 10 hours worth of interviews, oh, just looking for stories and information from them to get their part of the mosaic, right? So that was really cool. Uh, Greg, I think ended up being an executive producer, uh, you know, really brought all of his resources in um, those giant baptism scenes you see that we really did at Pirates Cove. Those are all harvest, like most of them are harvest church people with the exception of um, some, you know, in, if you're going to shoot in LA, you have to have some union extras that you mm -hmm. pay. That's kind of, mm -hmm. that's what you have to do if you work in LA. But apart from like 150 people that we paid, those are all unpaid harvest church people that just want to come and help support. So Greg was yeah. really behind this and um, he was on set uh almost every day if not every day like except when he had to you know go back and preach and stuff but i mean he was with us and very invested in this and i i do think he's listed as a producer and um and uh he came and visited us on the stage when we were mixing and he was really you know just really happy to be a part of it and um and he really is he's a very positive dude 
very, very encouraging presence. And uh, I, a lot of people from the cast and crew enjoyed, you know, getting to know him and hanging out with him on set. So it was a really cool, cool experience to, to Awesome. Be, now, be did with. he did he have any say in who got to play him? Because I feel like if a movie's being made about me, I'd want to have a little input on who's going to do that as far as the actor goes. <laughs> Uh, man, that's an interesting question. I, I actually don't have a direct answer for that. Um, I, I think he was never, um, he never really like threw his weight around or, you know, tried to, sure, tried to, sure. I think, um, uh, he was very interested in meeting Joel and like they zoomed and FaceTime and stuff, which is really cool. Um, yeah. they spent time together, you know, before they shot and, uh, and, you know, talked. And so that was really cool. And I know that, um, Anna Grace Barlow reached out to Kathy and they zoomed and spoke and uh, I would see them talk on set sometimes. So, but as far as like um, a wish list from Greg for for acting, (laughs) I I don't, I don't think that happened, but I I could be wrong. Yeah. He didn't demand anybody. No, 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 no. He was, he was way cool. He was way cool. He was, um, what's another cool thing about him was, he would bring a lot of people in. So the artist that ended up drawing all this stuff, um, he was one of Greg's friends and the artist, it was really cool because the artist actually knew Greg's style and could draw the, could actually draw the stuff and make it look like Greg drew it, which is really cool. Yeah. So, so the, the tracked stuff, you know, when we drew the little comic, that's actually Greg's sure, yeah. real, real mm. art. That was, those are the real tracks that he, he made. So we used some of Greg's awesome. real art. And then we used one of his friends because a lot of it you got to do real fast and iterate and, you know, make all this crazy stuff really fast. So we used a, like a commercial artist, uh, you know, that could work full time with me for several weeks getting all the art done. And so, uh, but yeah, Greg, Greg recommended that guy and we hired him. So yeah, he was, he was integral in the process. He definitely earned his producing credit. I mean, getting those, awesome. all those extras out there and helping me find some people. He had some cool, uh, song recommendations too he was really all about the music um yeah. and i i i knew he was gonna be picky about the music because he is a man he's an audiophile and oh uh, really i got to visit him years ago at his house and he put on some vinyl of larry norman and i was like okay this guy knows his stuff <laughs> yeah 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 and it sounds yeah. so good i'd never heard any larry norman stuff on vinyl and it sounded so rad but i mean he's just like wow. just in his whole house with Larry Norman really loud on it's like awesome. a high five. So yeah, that's the only time I've heard Larry Norman on vinyl was in Greg Laurie's house. But I, I knew he was going to be picky about the music and I was in charge of the music and I really did my best, you know, to listen to him. And, and it was great to hear that he was pleased with the music that we got on the film. Cause I knew that was like a big passion of his, you know, get to meet, you know, in the movie. So. Yeah. Uh, so a show that I grew up watching, uh, what Frasier and, um, big Kelsey Grammer fan. And so oh, yeah. what, what was it like working with a, like a, you know, I guess a, a movie icon, a, a, you know, an actor that's been around for a very long time. And so tell our, tell our listeners, what was it like working with Kelsey? Well, first of all, you're completely intimidated because he's been acting longer than you've been alive, you know, let alone like trying to hone your career. So, I mean, it's like royalty walking on your set, you know, and like, and that presence, that really, you know, giant presence that you imagine Kelsey Grammer having, that's how he is when he walks into a room. I mean, he's like, he's just this commanding, you know, very, uh, 
I don't know, just debonair. I mean, just this really cool like vibe. And when he walks in the room, I mean, it's kind of a big deal. So, so yeah, but, but you know, what's crazy about that is again, he was another person that just didn't throw his weight around. He, he was so humble and just such a beautiful human. Um, I found myself opening up my heart to him just to be mentored. Cause I mean, if you look up his life, he's had some really hard stuff happen to him in his life. Mm-hmm. He's a really tough, uh, tough section, uh, uh, yeah, a really tough, uh, tough elements in his story that I won't get into here. But, um, but when he would come to set, he was in this beautiful, deep spiritual place. And I knew he was going to do the Chuck Smith pastor and like have that big presence that we needed. Uh, but I was shocked and blown away by how vulnerable and how sweet and how like spiritually open his heart was to the process. And the, he would just be in tears and he would, he would do multiple takes in tears. I'm like, what is going uh-huh. on? And, but yeah. man, he just was in a beautiful place spiritually. And my heart literally reached out to him. Like I was like, man, I, you've got something that I don't have and I need. Cause he just has the peace. He has the peace in the storm, man. And, uh, yeah. I need more of that in my life. So just a beautiful human being, man. I think it's the greatest thing he's ever done because he's funny, comedic, added a bunch of ad libs. The final, the final line of the movie is Kelsey Grammer ad libbing a line and it was just perfect. And we kept it in the movie. So he just came ready to work. And John Irwin, the other director tells this story about him a lot. And I think this says a lot, but um, whenever we would give him notes, which were, not many at all, but whenever we would give him notes, he would say, whatever you need, boss. But he just, he just came in with his beautiful, you know, humility mm. and he, yeah. amazing, amazing work. But on the other, on the other side of that though, he's a veteran, man. Like he'd be like, all right, guys, what are we doing? Come on, let's work. And he would push us to be better, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so you can't ask for anything more uh, with, with an actor. I would jump at a chance to work with him again. He's amazing. And it's, uh, it's, um, an honor to call him a friend now. Sure. Awesome. Uh, so Brent, I'd like to talk with you about a specific uh, scene that happens in Jesus revolution. There's a conversation uh, that Chuck Smith and Lonnie are having uh, right when they kind of first meet in the film. Uh, and they're, I, I believe they're in his office and they're talking about uh, Lonnie's kind of trying to explain the hippie people to Chuck. And he's saying, Hey, these are my people. And they're looking for love and truth and, the thing is, is they're looking for, uh, I, I think he says something along the lines of they're looking for the right thing in all the wrong places. And then he mentions, and, and you guys have your doors close to them. Uh, I thought that was a real powerful line because uh, what I think the question I have for you is how much of that in, in kind of the, the theme of this movie written talking about what happened then and how much is talking about our current situation right now in the church as well? Well, I, I always tell people, when I describe what I want this movie to be, it's like I folded up a paper airplane and just wrote the word love on it. And I'm throwing this out into culture and just seeing what happens because, you know, the, so it seems to me right now, some of the loudest voices in Christianity, uh, you know, it doesn't espouse the Jesus uh, that I follow, which is a very loving, compassionate human being that had the widest heart of all for all humanity for God so loved the world. Right. And so, so yeah, we, we break, we institutionalize, we leave people out. We find a way to um, 
suspect the other somehow of being evil, whether that's political or ethnicity or um, just values, anything like that. And I think we definitely live in a in a world right now of otherness. Um, and so I think it's a very beautiful example of how the love of Jesus and what Jesus taught can break those walls down and create unity. Um, Kevin Downs, our main producer, said something the other day when he and I were being interviewed, and it really meant a lot to me, but he just said, you know, the filmmakers really have a heart for unity, and, and we do. I do. I, I just, I want everyone to feel loved and seen and valued and heard. And um, I, I don't know. My, I guess my portion or my contribution to this movie is is trying to to accomplish that. But I mean, yeah, if you look at if you look at society today, I would just ask a question back to the audience or a question back to you guys or a question to anyone who's you know who's listening. Who who are the people that are marginalized right now mm. uh, from mm-hmm. the church who feel like that they don't belong, that they would never be even allowed in? Now, if you if you think about that in those terms, would you want to go to a building that you thought they would it wouldn't even let you walk into? You wouldn't even get up out of bed to go do that. Mm-hmm. So there's like not even a chance, right? So I think a lot of people just feel froze out by the church. Um, I think the church needs to really take a look at itself because there's like the culture, like, and it's hard sometimes. I think it's hard for people to see sometimes, but there's like the cultural ramifications, right? Of of the West and America and our politics and all those things. And then there's like who Jesus was and what he did and how he modeled his life for us. And right now, I think the big disconnect is kids are looking at the cultural elements around Jesus going, yeah, I just, I don't think I fit in. I don't, I don't belong. I don't think they want me. But then there's who Jesus really was and who Jesus, uh, what Jesus stood for. And I think those two things are pretty far apart in the, you know, uh, especially for people like outside the church. And I, and I do think that's hard for some people in the church to see that or get a grasp of that. But I, I promise you, man, I, it, it really is um, an issue. And I think, I think that's the beauty of our film is you have this square white, you know, square white pastor that opens yeah. up his church to these crazy people that literally frightened uh, the conservative community. They were literally frightened of these people. Yeah. You know? and so, so it was a very frightening thing. Uh, and, and it was frightening for Chuck on many levels because he, in the true story is he was under threat of losing his job and he was yeah. having, you know, having all kinds of pressure on him to not do what he did. And yet he, he stayed the course and did what he felt like, you know, was put on his heart to do. And, to his credit, real Chuck Smith um, in the real story is we changed it to be more of uh, the pastor's kid, Jeanette, who kind of throws down the gauntlet. But the truth of the matter is it was his wife a lot, too, saying, hey, mm-hmm. you bash these kids and you talk about how they need a bath and they need to clean up and all this stuff. He goes, she goes, have you ever even talked to a hippie? Yeah. God yeah. loves those kids just as much as he loves you. And that's what kind of started opening his heart up. And so kudos to Chuck who passed away in 2013, but he, he said, yeah, you're right. I should meet with a hippie. And, and when he actually sits down with a hippie, um, which isn't that a crazy overlay of social media, right? 
Now, Chuck Smith would be the guy blowing up Lonnie Smith's Facebook page going, you know, you, you know, you're the devil, you're the antichrist, you're, you know, you're for drug. Also. But, you know, you're, you can scream at all caps in somebody. That's easy. But sitting down and having a face to face with somebody that doesn't believe, look, yeah. feel the same way you do, have the same values, that's a totally different thing. And so what a beautiful, like, kind of skewering of social media where these two opposing views actually sit down break bread together, have a conversation, drink some coffee. And it's civil, you know, it's civil. And that's another thing I really fought for. And Jonathan Rumi really helped me with this, but I just wanted everything to be kind. So even mm-hmm. when there's a Satanist on the quad at the high school, you know, like Lonnie doesn't get up and go, the guy's evil, man, let's get him out of here. He's like, <laughs> oh man, he's like, bro, that was a trip. You know, so we, we yeah. tried, we tried to really, and, and if you look back at the time, it was actually a lot more civil. You could have, very civil disagreements and, and have a completely different worldview, but no one's like screaming at each other. Sure. So I do think to your point, the, the cultural overlays, there's a lot of despair. There's an identity crisis. There's a malaise in our society. There's, um, there's definitely a sense of a fractured America very much like it was during that time. And not just hippies. I mean, think about it, Vietnam, uh, civil mm-hmm. rights, uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis, JFK being assassinated, Martin Luther King be, being assassinated, JFK's brothers. It was a dark time, right. you know. And the only the only real light it seems at the time was what NASA was doing. Like you know, we put astronauts on the moon, you know, and so that was a very big bright spot in the '60s. Um, but beyond that, the '60s were very very dark. And um, you know, with the uh, with the resurgence of this notion of um, civil inequality across races, which I actually believe is still is still real in our country, um, and and just this you know this argumentative uh, state that we're in politically, you know, there's a lot of echoes back to the '60s, I think, in where we are in America. And um, so, wouldn't it be cool if once again this idea of God's love is for everybody could be a healing instrument for our country and for the world. So that's why I made this movie for sure. Awesome. So you had mentioned uh, working with Jonathan Rumi. He plays Lonnie uh, in the film. Uh, There's a part I want to ask you about where he, he mentions, he says, a lot of people tell me I look like Jesus. Uh, (laughs) Now was that, was that something that actually was said that, you know, or was that kind of uh, um, uh, Easter egg for chosen fans? (laughs) It's so great because Lonnie Frisbee said that. He said oh, that. Wow. worked out perfect. We, <laughs> no, we, we, we ripped that straight from uh, uh, Catherine Coleman uh, interview that the real Lonnie Frisbee did with Catherine Coleman back in the day. And he legit says, people say I'm trying to look like Jesus. I can't think of anyone else better I'd rather look like. He said that exact thing. We just put it right in the movie. So, and yeah, it's just wonderful, you know, double entendre, you know, for yeah. people that it know. It worked out perfect, yeah. Yeah. My favorite, my favorite one is when they're witnessing. He's like, hey man, do you know Jesus? And then, and uh, did you guys notice that we Easter egged Paris, uh, I, know, Matthew, the chosen? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I wish that was my idea. I can't remember who it was. I think it was a producer. It's like, because they, they saw the joke, you know, they, they saw the joke they were trying to do. And he's like, oh, hey, man, nice to meet you. You know, and that was in the script. But someone's like, because Paris lives in L.A. And they're like, what if we got 
Paris to do it. And it was yeah. like, you know, just double down on it. So I was like, that is brilliant. And so <laughs> Let's really go for it. Called, yeah. yeah, I think it was Josh Walsh, one of the producer's ideas. But I said, just call Dallas Jenkins and make sure it's okay. And he called Dallas. And Dallas thought it was funny. And he's like, yeah, do oh, it. Yeah. So we had the <laughs> awesome. blessing yeah, from the chosen pope on that Did one. you guys um, – <laughs> Did you guys just ever call him Jesus instead of Jonathan on set or to be funny or? No, um, no, that is a great question, man. Uh, I'll try to answer this really shortly, but, but Jonathan is a very serious, very committed actor. And he, he actually went, um, it's called method or Stanislavski, but like he really sure. tried to put on skin of Lonnie. So he lost 20 pounds. Uh, he went on a very specific diet. He mm. went and visited Lonnie's grave. Um, he got a dialect coach, wow. would listen to Lonnie's tapes all the time. And he actually asked on set during set hours that we called him Lonnie. So so no one oh, called wow, him okay. Jesus, so man. That would have not been good. Uh, that would have not yeah. been good. Um, he was, he was in it. Yeah, I really was protective of him because a lot of people did want to talk to him about The Chosen or like want to do like little sure. interviews and stuff with him and i made sure that um i protected his wishes and like he was he was totally good to do interviews and talk about the chosen after hours but like yeah. he, when we were working it was money so awesome. what a cool question you asked so uh, absolutely not is the answer to your yeah. question <laughs> <laughs> so what do you what do you hope that people will take away from this movie after they go go and see it Oh man, I should probably have a little cheat sheet of scriptures I can pull out. But it's, you know, <laughs> I mean, let me stack up some scriptures. Yeah, I can speak with the most eloquent tongue. If I if I speak with the tongues of angels, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. Jesus mm. said, "Love your enemies and bless those who curse you." Who does that? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. I was yeah. um, I was in a church service. It's really, it's really sad, but I was in a church service and um, a friend of mine invited me and it was an old, it actually reminded me of Chuck Smith's old church. And I went to, as a, to, because I wanted to be with my friend. I, I love this man dearly and he's a mentor to me, but you know, it was the Christmas, it was the Christmas sermon. And suddenly he's talking about Jesus and revelation, like slaying all, this, you know, but it was yeah. such a, it was like, and he would, he would kind of handpick these scriptures about how Jesus was here to basically like divide the world. And that's not my read on Jesus at all. I think you can handpick things and kind of make scriptures say whatever it wants. But if you look, if you look at his life, he went out of his way. He would skip church to go be with the poor and the hungry and those in need. And, um, man, that, I don't know, dude, I think that's what we need. So my, my, profound hope and prayer for this movie is that it will cause some really deep introspection into Christians lives of, of asking yourself, am I leading with love? Am I carrying forth the love of God as demonstrated by Jesus to the world, not just my church, not just my kids, but to the coworker that I don't care for and to someone across the political aisle from me. Um, because again, it's a lot. It's it's much easier to scream at someone in all caps on Facebook than it is to love someone that's different than you. And so, wow, Chuck Smith, you know, uh, can we learn to get back to the basic tenets of Christianity, which I believe to be love, acceptance, forgiveness, belonging, compassion, and empathy, 
And I really do hope that this at least sparks some conversations and some soul searching in people. And beyond that, I just hope people feel loved in the theater mm-hmm. by this movie. I really do think the movies have that movies the done when done right have the potential to hug someone in a theater that's very lonely yeah. and sad and depressed. And I really do hope this is just kind of like a <laughs> I told the marketing team I want to detonate like a love grenade, you know, yeah. in the, <laughs> on the planet with this movie. Like, you know, let's be warriors for love and peace. And, and I, they could I also really... hear some pretty cool old school music tracks, you know, while watching yeah. the film. Yeah, dude, let's talk about some music. Let's go. Let's there's go. Some let's talk about there's some, some, there's some songs that feel like a hug in the movie for sure. I love the uh, yeah. Jesus is Still All Right, the, the Doobie Brothers, you know, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and that's a direct uh, that's a direct response to this ripple that the Jesus movement had throughout culture. Like they were like, mm. oh yeah, Jesus, it's kind of cool. Look at these hippies. And like, they're just, they're out just like loving people and telling people the love of God. This is rad. And so um, there's a deep cut that I found. I was trying to get in the movie, but Queen did a Jesus, uh, a Jesus people song. Oh, wow. and it's called oh, Jesus. Wow. And they took scripture, literally almost like word for word scripture. And they, they wrote a song just called Jesus, but uh, the chorus is all going down to see the Lord Jesus. And uh, it's awesome. You guys should check it out. So Queen did a yeah. Jesus. Uh, wow. I'll check it out for sure. That no I, I, one heard. Um, so yeah, I um, I love the music. You know, so the Doobie Brothers and you had others that were just kind of having spiritual renewal, spiritual awakening. Yeah. And you didn't have, uh, and I hope I'm not stepping on any toes here at all, but <laughs> you, you didn't have CCM. You didn't have this right. silo. You didn't have this compartmentalization. So what you have was all these Larry Normans out there going, yeah, I want to write about my girlfriend. I want to write about falling in mm-hmm. love. I want to write about my political issues. But also I'm going to write about Jesus because he's a big part of my life. So you had these pop musicians that were just writing what was on their heart. And part of what was on their heart was talking about Jesus at the time. And I, I think that's pretty rad. I I think yeah. um, I think for me, you know, and dude, I, I, I listened to, CCM. I mean, I'm huge, especially, I mean, like when I met rest half, I almost died. Like I'm <laughs> such a fan of it. I mean, he's won multiple yeah. Grammys. The guy is just like incredibly immensely talented, but, um, I, yeah, I mean, so CCM ha- has a warm spot in my heart, but I think it also comes with casualties of war. And that is sure. when it became siloed, it became like closed circuit television, you know, where Christians listen to it and stuff like that. So, um, now you have this sequestration of people who want to talk about Jesus, well, then you relegate them into this CCM camp. Whereas I really miss those days of, man, just can hit me with some good music. And oh, track right. nine talked about Jesus. Okay, this is rad, you know. So I, <laughs> right. do, I do miss that. And, you know, I was a big Larry Norman fan too. I saw him uh, live before he passed away. And that was just a big highlight of my life. And um, to, to jump ahead and kind of make the, the larger point I want to make, there's this amazing artist. Her name is Natalie Bergman, and she closes the movie with this really cool, trippy track. It's called You've Got a Friend in Jesus. And okay. she is she's our modern-day Doobie Brothers. So she just sings about whatever she wants to sing about, but she also wants to sing about her Lord and Savior every once in a while. you know. And so I found that track. Uh, there's this awesome – you guys might know him, John Thompson. I don't know if you guys know John or not. Um, but he's a, he, he turned me on to Natalie Bird because she's, she is our 
current um, artist that you would have imagined back in 1968 that was just singing about whatever was on her mind. Part of the part of the gumbo was her faith, and so I found I felt it very important to kind of close it with her because I think she embodies the modern spirit of what was happening with music and artistry mm -hmm. and people's uh, interfacing with spirituality and Christianity at the time. So, uh, so Brent, as we, as we kind of start landing the plane here, we'd like to give our chance to, for our listeners to know a little bit more about you. Uh, so if you wouldn't mind doing a quick rapid fire kind of favorite things uh, segment with us, we'll just list a category. Oh. Let us know what your favorite thing in that category is. How's that sound? I love it. I love this stuff. Okay. Cool. This is where it gets really divisive as well, just so you know. <laughs> okay. I hope I don't get yeah, us in yeah. trouble. <laughs> this is the Babylon P B part of our podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Good. Well, they just did this to us too, man. They they did this to us too. We're, we're me and John would look at each other going, should we answer this? You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So we'll we'll we'll, we'll be nice. Uh, what's your favorite food? We'll start with an easy one. My favorite food, Mexican food. Right on, amen. Nice. Oh yeah. Uh, well, see, I was I was born in Dallas, so Tex-Mex, you know. All the way. It's you could like I, I always say, if you desert island me, yeah, just give me give me my tortillas, man. <laughs> yep. Do you have a favorite movie of all time? Favorite movie is hard with filmmakers because uh, you don't really have one favorite. So um, I'll give you a few. Uh, there's there's a movie that nobody saw that Terry Gilliam, one of Monty Python made, is called Brazil. He did it in the 80s. And I think it's the most fantastic, crazy movie that nobody ever saw. Mm. And then I love um, I love like old 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 movies. I love Citizen Kane. I love mm. the Star Wars mm. movies, Empire Strikes Back. I love really heartfelt dramas. I love the Shawshank Redemption and the Green Mile. Uh, right. I love really hard-hitting dramas. Yeah. Do you have a show but Brazil, that you've been binging Brazil's recently? Crazy. Brazil. Say again? Uh, yes. Do you have a show that you've been binging recently? Oh, yeah, several. Um, I I just told this them this in the Babylon Bee, but I, I'm always, it's always hard for me to answer, like, um, guilty pleasure questions, but my guilty okay. pleasure right now is Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai all the way. Man. It's like, okay. It's like okay. the most glorious train wreck of a show. And like, you're looking at it going, oh man. But then, but then, you know, then five minutes later, you're bawling like a baby. It's incredible, yeah. man. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, dude. I love it. I just, I just binge season five and literally had a couple meltdowns. I just, oh, mm. you know, it's, you're, it's, you're I, here for I, it. I don't, I don't understand how it works. I just don't understand how it works, but it works. <laughs> on every level it's just incredible um so yeah that's what i've just binged but um yeah i'm uh i loved i loved wednesday um i loved andor i thought andor really got us back to the og star wars vibes mm -hmm. um yeah i was yeah, just talking so, you know, about love, that with a friend of mine yeah no if you um if you have kind of sworn off on star wars which i completely understand give andor a shot and take a running start at it because it's a slow burn but uh, don't watch it when you're sleepy because it starts pretty slow. But if, man, like once you hit season three or episode three or four, it will light your hair on fire. It's it's yeah. some of the best stories ever made. It's incredible. Do 
do you have a favorite thing that you do outside of filmmaking? I do. Uh, I'm a beekeeper. Um, and that's, uh, that's my nerdy side. So I, I okay. go, uh, I go fuss with my bees and, um, sometimes they give me kisses and sometimes they, they sometimes they light me up. So just a minute. They're very moody. Um, but no, I, I love, I love my beekeeping. Um, it just gets me to slow down and be in nature. And it's just amazing to see these little creatures like do what they do. It's just, it's life changing for me. Do you have an actor that you haven't worked with yet that you would like to, or an actress? Robin Williams. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That was, that was really hard. It was really difficult. I think mm -hmm. he was, I think he was our ultimate great. Um, he was a genius. He, he was the greatest comedian of my lifetime and quite possibly the greatest dramatist. And he was housed in one container. And I think, I think greatness is very hard. Um, and I, I miss him very much. And I, I just think um, all of us are flawed and have our problems. I know I do. But uh, I just find him to be a very beautiful, beautiful human being. And I miss him. Um, so I missed my window there. But yeah, I, I, right. I have not been able to let that go. Uh, and I, I haven't been able to reset that. So I have to say Robin sure. Williams. All right. Do you have a favorite ice cream flavor? I'm a chocolate-aholic. Just anything, anything with chocolate. Anything okay. with chocolate in it, let's go. So, being on the Christian Music Guys podcast, do you have a favorite podcast that you like to listen to? Oh, man. Oh, I feel so terrible. I'm not a podcast person. I know you guys just want to reach through the screen and just smite me in my yeah, face. Um, I, uh, I uh, the podcast that I listened to recently was actually on beekeeping because there's so much science. It's like half rocket science science, and then half like feeling your way through it and really just being an artist and paying attention to the creatures. But you, you really do need a ton of like master's level thesis knowledge of these little guys. And so, so a lot of the, my podcasts and my content was sure. around that because I'm trying to educate myself. Um, right. Cause you'll have losses. It's really hard to keep them alive. So we, we got some pretty substantial losses this winter. So you're just, you're constantly trying to learn how to be better and, and be better like at your animal husbandry and just be a better caretaker, you know? So yeah. So the last podcast right was on. beekeeping. <laughs> right on. Makes sense. Do you have a favorite Bible verse? I would say that's probably changed, but, um, I would probably say either when Jesus said to love your enemies or when uh, when it says they'll know we are Christians by the way we love each other. Mm -hmm. um, love. Um, so I've really, yeah, I've really just kind of reimagined my faith. And I, I understand when Jesus said, until you can kind of approach all this like a child, you're never going to get it. And so I've really... Yeah. Uh, pastor's kid. I read the whole Bible through when I was 18. Um, you know, I've been in church my whole life. Uh, you know, went to church probably five times a week when I was a kid. Um, but I think for me, distilling it down, man, it distills down in my heart to love. And so I think the scriptures now that come up in my heart are centered around yeah. the love of God.
for everyone. Awesome. So, uh, Brent, thanks so much. Uh, where can audiences, where can our listeners go to find out more about the film, purchase tickets, and see Jesus Revolution? Man, thanks. For, uh, when does this go? When does this go on? Uh, it'll probably go like a week before uh, the movie releases. Okay. Um, I'm so thankful to our studio partner, Lionsgate. I have never felt so supported on a movie in my entire life. And when we initially talked to him, it was going to be out on 2,500 screens. I think they've already increased it to 2,700 screens. It might even go more than that. Mm. So by the, at the time of you watching this podcast, there will be tickets available in your hometown. Just go to your favorite place where you like to buy tickets and, and buy tickets and come try to support us opening weekend. You actually vote for your content at the box office. Um, so please, you know, if you if you want to see more content like this, go see our movie opening weekend. Take your friends to see it. I will say, if you're like me, <laughs> um, you're very attenuated to like the quality of a film and this is a movie that you won't feel embarrassed like taking your neighbor to see and uh there'll be enough there for you guys to talk about and enjoy even if there's different worldviews and so i really hope this sparks a lot of conversations so yeah uh we open february 24th wide all across the country and tickets will be available wherever you purchase your movie tickets and and bring a friend and try to try to make it out opening weekend if you can Please yeah, do absolutely. Please check out the tickets. And if you want to feel, if you want to know what it feels like for a movie to hug you, go see the Jesus revolution. Oh, man, that means a lot to me, man. You're going to bring tears to my eyes. I just, the world needs more love, you know, and there's so many people that are broken and I am too. We just need, we need to see each other and healing, you know, will come from that. And I, I really hope this movie is a, is an avenue for that. Well, Brent, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. This has been so cool. You guys are awesome, man. Um, Thanks for listening. And thank you, Brent, for chatting with us today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you may listen to podcasts. And while you're at it, if you're listening on Apple, please leave a five-star review on our podcast. It would be much appreciated. Follow us on all social media platforms at Christian Music Guys. We are a listener-supported podcast. You can become a part of our team financially at christianmusicguys.com. We're so grateful for all of our supporters. While you're there, check out our latest blogs. You can also find all of our past episodes wherever you may listen so that you may never miss an episode. Thanks so much. See you next time.